Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, mission control decadent. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is a... This is a pretty exciting episode for us, folks. This is a food episode, and if you are a longtime listener, a fellow conspiracy realist, you're probably already pretty familiar with how easily the three of us get derailed by little details in a show. I mean, at this point, we have probably, all of us, you listening along at home too, we've probably collectively lost hours exploring weird little cuisine-related details about one sort of meal or another. We talked about the sugar conspiracy with our pal Lauren Vogelbaum. That's very much true. We talked about the uh, disturbing origins of chocolate. Also true. And I was thinking, I don't know if you and guys cheese. remember this. There's don't this forget cheese. Cheese. The cheese conspiracy. Uh, big yes. cheese. Yeah, who big could forget cheese. big cheese? God, that one's real, too. I still think about that one. Good call, Matt. Uh, there, there's also, like, there was a uh, a beautiful moment. I don't know whether you guys remember, but uh, a while back, we did an episode on a weird government-associated private 
institution known as the family, right? They're, they're a huge power in um, right-wing religious politics in the U.S. And they're, they're the folks who started the prayer breakfast. And at one point in that episode, we dropped everything and tried to figure out what was on the menu at the prayer breakfast. It became very, very important to us. And we're like, well, is it just pancakes? Are they doing like an eggs Benedict thing? We got to figure this out. A breakfast bar, perhaps, you know, a kind of maybe a, an omelet station. That'd be pretty exciting. As long as it's not continental. You know what I mean? Continental breakfast. It's like just it's, I, I always, I think it's to the hotel, a, I'm like, what, just, what a tell me, <laughs> just tell me you don't like me. Exactly. Like, let's, let's stop this charade, you know? It's a, uh, it's it, a marketing it, play for sure. I mean, like, when I think of continental breakfast, I think of like, you know, sampling cu- breakfast cuisines of the world, not like a dry muffin and like a yogurt cup. And a vintage melon that's in its later years. <laughs> Anyhow, this is this is all to say that we love talking about food anytime, all the time. We are so down to clown for that. But today's episode is introducing us to some things that most people in the U.S. and abroad probably rather not think about. And I, maybe we start this way. So, Matt, Noel, do you guys have guilty pleasure foods? Yeah, I actually just ordered one that should be arriving right when I get out of this. It's called a Pizza Puff. You ever heard of this? Pizza Puff. They're big in Chicago. There's a place called Chicago Skip's Chicago Dog that's in like Avondale neighborhood around here. And they do like, you know, Philly cheese type things, Chicago style. But they have this thing called a Pizza Puff that is like only really available in Chicago and that area. There's more popular. And it's like a Hot Pocket, but like... Airier and like more like puffy kind of. Is that, it's, like, it's like saying pizza puff too. So I would say that's a guilty pleasure food for me. It's a hot pocket with a tie on. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. What about you, Matt? Uh, for me, it's a fried chicken sandwich of any sort. That's like my mm. guilty pleasure food. And uh, if you I, like hot yeah. chicken, you ever do a hot chicken sandwich? Yeah, like that's a, probably the, my favorite. You know, Nashville style. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but the the problem just is the amount of calories that's in it compared to how full I feel after I eat it. It just doesn't balance out. Yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, I am as as everyone knows, I'm I'm pretty non discriminatory when it comes to food. I'm sort of a walking garbage can. So I, <laughs> but there's a clear way. I just eat things. Like, right there's, there's, there's a clear one winner. clear winner oh the the humble quesadilla right that's how dare right. you that is not junk food it's not junk food that is the uh, next step in the long evolution of the sandwich no you're right you got me no it's true it's true we got them hashtag uh yeah i love quesadillas i cannot remember any time in my life any single instant where i was around a quesadilla and said no to it i may have a problem you never met a quesadilla you didn't like. You ever had like a fancy quesadilla, like with lobster or bechamel oh, yeah. or some sort of lardons, mm-hmm. perhaps? Oh, mm-hmm. I have. I've I've even dabbled in the world of sweet quesadillas, which was a regrettable phase in my career. But Yikes. you know, these are questions. Can you tell you have a situation. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, let's see. I did Nutella. And, uh, we could get into it, but this doesn't have to be the quesadilla episode, though. Now that you mentioned it, I, I probably will have one for lunch today. But let's start at the beginning. Here are the facts. Junk food is kind of 
an American term, right? You associate it with the um, hyper-realistic image of American culture, right? Of post-World War II America. That's what most people think of, right? They think of the 50s, they think of the 60s, the rise of fast food joints and the um, the mass marketing of processed foods and snacks. But even though that term is not used as often today, it's almost always going to be a pejorative. Nobody is using the phrase junk food in a study or a headline and extolling its praises. Uh, Even though it's a pejorative, everybody knows what it describes. We're talking candy, chips, fried stuff, soda, the salt, the fatty, the cloyingly sweet stuff. Uh, A lot of fast food also gets described as junk food. But that's more of a Venn diagram situation. They're not really the same thing. You can go to um, now, at least in the U.S., you can go to a lot of fast food places. And if you read carefully, you can eat some healthy stuff. Um, Most people don't. I think that's fairly obvious, uh, ourselves included. (laughs) Well, I mean, Burger King's gotten into the impossible burger game at the very least, but even an impossible burger, while not being beef, still isn't exactly good for you, right? Like, it's a lot of calories as well, a lot of carbs, um, you know, but at least it's more sustainable. And there's definitely positive things in in a big company like uh, Burger King getting on board with, um, you know, meatless options. Yeah, I consider KFC's new plant-based chicken products that still have a ton of sugar in them. I actually, I haven't, right. I, haven't, I haven't looked at the sugar content, but I can only imagine. Oh, uh, KFC, home of the double down. You brilliant monsters. <laughs> you spend so much time figuring out whether you could do something that you didn't stop to ask whether you should. Uh, <sighs> I never had Chicken for down. bread, right? Chicken <laughs> yes. sandwiched between chicken. It's yeah. just three pieces of chicken with crap and in the middle. Ch- cheese and bacon. Yes. Yes, very important. That stuff is clutch, as they were saying in the early 2000s. Uh, we'll, we'll get to, we'll explore some of the um, controversy around fast food and its place in the world of junk food in a bit. But the first problem with just the phrase, the concept junk food, is that it is an incredibly broad definition. It is an umbrella term that describes a huge range of literally countless products at this point, and they all have one commonality. Whether we are talking about ice cream or potato chips or what have you, junk food is, as you pointed out, Noel, it's high in calories, but those calories are from often from refined sugar and or different types of fat, and there are relatively low amounts of nutritional value. Uh, the, the fancier name for junk food, if you want to sound a little more academic and a little less, you know, clickbaity, I guess, is to call it HFSS food. Those are things that, let's see if everyone can hear the acronym here. Those are things that are high in fat, salt, and sugar. But we all we all call it junk food, and we all know what we're talking about. It's the really crazily processed stuff. You know what I mean? Imagine if you are a time traveler from the 16 or the 1700s, right? And you go into a store. First off, you're probably amazed by the concept of a supermarket, but you go in there and you're like, wait, this stuff doesn't have to, doesn't go bad? Yeah. Like how how can 
how long can this can of meat sit on this shelf? Well, have you ever dropped a McDonald's French fry in your car and then found it when you're cleaning like a month later and it's still French fry like like it's not molded or anything. It's just kind of like petrified. But there's some magical something in those that make them like not mold. And it's probably some of the stuff that also makes them like not great for you. Yeah, you're right. Uh, But what Ben Ben, what you're getting at here is exactly what I was thinking about. The concept that there are all these foods that last quite a bit longer than food really should. And much of the junk food is the reasons that it's high in fat, salt, and sugar is because you can use these things uh, along with some other new food additives that you know we've discovered as a species. Uh, they can keep this stuff on the shelf for a long, long, long time. And it's, so it's easy to manufacture. There's not a ton of overhead in the actual ingredients that are going into the thing. And so it becomes cheap to manufacture and it sticks around for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, this, this has some clear and distinct advantages to the average consumer, um, who, you know, isn't always going to be able to afford top dollar for like ethically sourced, locally made organic, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? You, you, come down very quickly to the reality of uh, the situation being, one, I have to feed myself consistently and predictably, and two, for a lot of people, I've got some kids. I got to feed these kids, and they hate everything that's healthy. You know what I mean? So, like, I've got to continue this Cold War negotiation with a very hard-nosed eight-year-old about Fruit Loops. You know, (laughs) like, it's, it's tough. Do you guys remember what the tagline for checkers used to be? Or maybe still yes. is? Yes. You got to eat. He got to eat. <laughs> They're right. <laughs> you know, I really like what Arby's is doing. For some reason, there's something so absurd and surreal about Arby's latest uh, or their current ad regime. Uh, they're just saying, we have the meats. Like that is, and the tagline works and it shouldn't. And I wonder how they came up with it. I wonder, like, how the how many other jingles or catchphrases they went through until they said, forget it. Just tell people we have roast beef. And someone's like, wait, wait, wait. We have chicken, too. And then, like... And turkey. Do they still make They've those... they turkey sandwich. They, Yeah, they still make those massive sandwiches, those club sandwiches. That was, like, a big promotion back in the day. <laughs> We're Arby's, and we make market-fresh sandwiches. <laughs> right, Market fresh. Two words that sound like something when they're put together. Uh, but, you know, Pretty sound and fury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sound and fury signify nothing. Same as it ever was. But this, um, there's something that's really interesting. I think we've talked about this off air before. Like, if you are not from the U.S. and you visit the U.S., if you've ever visited here at some point or you came to live here, one of the first things that will consistently surprise you is going to be the food. It is crazy here. There is so much great food. So much of it is so bad for you. Um, I think, like, all, all of my friends who are nationals from other countries, uh, whether they are, like, very highfalutin professors, whether they're someone traveling on a gap year, whether they're, like, whomever they are, they always point this out. The portions are huge. There are things in the 
industry of U.S. food that don't really exist in other places, like free refills on soda. That's not a thing in a lot of other places, right? Like, uh, we, we, we've got everything. We got supersized stuff. You can, you can go into any convenience store on this planet. And for like less than $3, you can get a barrel of soda or slushy. And the we big mean a barrel. Gulp. The big yes, gulp. Yes. Yeah. Again, think, think, of, think about why it works, guys. Because it's right. We talked about this before. The fries, generally, that's what include is included in supersizing something. The fries and the drink, the two cheapest things to produce on their menus. You just get more of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And and there's this. Um, to me, it's fascinating. There's this new era of combining brands and flavors. Like Taco Bell will have a Doritos taco or whatever. And um, whenever we mention Doritos, shout out to our pal, Robert Evans. Uh, we see these, the Dolja cat extra value meal, <laughs> you know right? Right. Mean? Branded McDonald's meals. Um, someone at Nabisco is a lunatic and they're like, what can't an Oreo be flavored with? You know what I mean? Like we're <laughs> people are finding these iterations or companies rather finding these iterations of slightly changed new stuff, novelty stuff, and trying to figure out if that becomes the hottest new thing. This doesn't always work for a long time. There was a museum that was a uh, kind of a hall of shame of failed, <laughs> failed food products. And that's where we, run into stuff like, um, do you remember when, I think it was Heinz, uh, a while back, they had said, ketchup doesn't have to be red. Let's make it green. Let's make it purple. Let's see if kids are into it. Mm -mm. They weren't. No, that's gross. <laughs> kids know what ketchup is. The color's part of it. Making it green, that just, that, that, honestly, I'm picturing tasting green ketchup, and in my mind, it would be like disfluency. It wouldn't taste the same, just like based on my visual input. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody has uh, that low level synesthesia, I would think, because like we don't talk about it maybe as often as we should as a society, but the concept of taste and everything that goes into it, it's um, it's almost like the way people analyze hallucinogens, there's scene and setting and you are your interpretation of the taste of what you're eating is highly based on your visual input. Like, yeah, green ketchup tastes different because your eyes are helping you taste it and your eyes are like, eh, it's green. I don't trust it. Well, it's like someone once told me I didn't believe it. Maybe it was you, Ben, that all Fruit Loops taste the same, but they're yeah. different colors. And in my mind, that makes one of them taste like lime. And this one tastes like razzleberries, you know, but apparently mm. they all taste the same. It's just your brain tricking you into thinking they taste different because they're different colors. Or like Powerade and Gatorade literally taste blue. There's a flavor. We just all call it blue. Yep. There's not like a blue fruit that we know of that's involved. There's a it's berry. Just blue. There's a berry that is blue. <laughs> is that where they get oh. the name of the color from? Just from, from the berry. That's, that's, that's the, uh, the most naturally occurring natural blue. <laughs> right. So uh, 
yeah, and shout out to Dave Chappelle, grape drink, and so on. So the science here, clearly, clearly the science here is objectively amazing. Like we're talking about with the um, the breakthroughs in processing food and making it last longer. In theory, this could be a very, very good thing for hundreds of millions of people around the world who are experiencing food insecurity, Right now, you can have something that doesn't go bad within a few days or a few weeks. I mean, a, a double cheeseburger at McDonald's is literally ninety nine cents. You know, mm-hmm. for someone that's starving, it it does tick the boxes of like you know caloric sustenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so one could argue that they are providing a service in some ways. You know, and there's so many of them; they're so available. I don't know. Now, Just you, now you can not Why only have food; <laughs> you can also have type two diabetes. You're welcome. Well, I'm just saying it's I, I, I don't mean to oversimplify. I just mean, you know, there are people that that is a an option. It's a big deal. You know? I agree. I am. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying there's a cost. There's an added extra 100%. cost that is unseen. Yes. Yes. To the healthcare system. <laughs> like the right. Of all of that. A long, mm. a long tail cost. It, it ultimately, at some point, that double cheeseburger may be costing consumers much more than ninety-nine cents a pop. If you look at, if you look at chronic health conditions that can result from this, and I'm, this is not a hit piece on fast food. Obviously, we love this stuff. We love junk food, uh, but there are things we need to know about this. Probably one of the best examples, or like most zeitgeisty examples of just how far processed food has come are things like spam and things like the humble Twinkie. Uh, Josh and Chuck are (laughs) compadres over at Stuff You Should Know. Years and years ago, did an excellent deep dive into the story of the Twinkie. I'm pretty sure that was them. And this thing just, it's like, again, it, it feels like we're a time traveler from the 1600s. Twinkies stay edible much longer than they should, you know, up until quite recently in the history of humanity, that was considered very strange and and rightly so. At this point, I think we should pause for a word from our sponsor, (laughs) maybe Arby's, I don't know. Uh, And let's return to dive into just how much junk we're talking about. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing 
reinventing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. We're back. Uh, peek behind the curtain. I, I'm trying to say this diplomatically, but most of the times now, I was thinking about when people use the word junk, and most of the times now, I only hear the word junk used in the phrase junk food, or honestly, when people are re- referring to their genitalia, right? Oh, yeah. That's a good old trusty. I like that. You know, uh, also <laughs> junk bonds. Remember that? That was like a financial oh, yeah. thing. I think that refers to like crappy stocks. I don't really know. I always think about a junkyard, like a place where cars go to die and then the parts of them live again. Oh, that's poetic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> junk bonds have a high are bonds issued by companies that have a high risk of default. Right. Right. It's a, a high risk potentially high profit. But when we're when we're talking about junk food, we're talking about a lot of junk and we're talking about really fascinating modern history. Uh, snacks have existed forever. Snacks predate the written word. Snacks predate human beings. We know that uh, other primates and a vast assortment of animals have like their their favorite preferred snacks and so on. Uh, and there are things that are considered like the primo goods to, you know, corvids to uh, th- this applies to like cetaceans as well. Every living thing kind of loves snacks. Uh, but the idea of unhealthy, cheap, mass-produced food uh, re- really kind of has its origin point in the popularization of refined sugar and the harbinger of modern junk food. According to most food historians, 
the, like the first really known, well-known example is Cracker Jacks. And I, I, I need some help on this one, guys. Is it Cracker Jack or Cracker Jacks? Is it singular or plural? I thought it was apostrophe yes. I whoa, might be wrong. Whoa, whoa, Matt, you're chaotic <laughs> evil today. <My> like <laughs> Cracker Jacks or Crackers Jack? No, it's Cracker Jack. And, and then okay. Jack is a character. Jack is the little dude with the dog. I'm not sure if Jack is the, the dude or the dog. Is, the dog's name is Bingo. Okay, the so so mascot. Jack is the little sailor boy. Yeah, and that's yeah, Cracker yeah. Jack. That's Cracker Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Cracker Jack is a caramel-coated, molasses-flavored mixture of popcorn and peanuts, famous at baseball fields around, around the country, that for some reason, inexplicably, has a sailor on the front of the box and his trusty <laughs> dog, Bingo, because someone in, back in the 1890s was like, you know what I think of when I think of popcorn and caramel and peanuts? And someone's like, oh, the Navy. And they're like, absolutely. That's our that's our guy. It's sort of like that girl with the umbrella on the salt, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what's that about? <laughs> I mean, and yes, it's inextricably bound to salt now. I just can't I can't think about salt without thinking about that little girl holding the umbrella. It's classic um, imagery. Mm-hmm. And, and Mr. Peanut, right? At least that guy is like a peanut, although he is very obviously a morally bankrupt peanut <laughs> because he is selling out his fellows. Right? He's the one percenter of peanuts. He's got that <laughs> monocle, too, which is always a bad sign. Right. He's like, eat my brethren. Eat of wow. my flesh. Yes. Uh, one thing I want to just bring up, because we talked about Cracker Jack, guys, is the fact that a lot of these brands we know that maybe we grew up with watching advertisements for or just eating as children, uh, most of these, if not all, are now owned by another company. So Cracker Jack is now a part of Frito-Lay, the huge food company. And Frito-Lay, a huge food company, is owned by Pepsi, the Pepsi Corporation. Uh, so it's just like, yeah. again, those Matroshka dolls. And in the end, it's a, there are only a handful of giant food conglomerates that own all the stuff. Yeah, it's big, uh, big one snack to rule them all vibes, <laughs> you know, uh, because these uh, w- we'll talk about this, too. It's it's something that should kind of disturb you and we'll get to it so what we can what we can glean from all of this is that junk food in one form or another has been with this country for a long long time a delicious shadow just following modern society all the days of its life uh, the the united states even has an official junk food day this stuff is popular as, as of 2017 the average resident of the u.s was eating a diet where uh like 28.8 percent of their caloric intake came from what are sometimes euphemistically called nutrient poor foods just like hfss it's another term for junk food. It's synonymous. 80% of people living in this country have reported that they eat fast food about once a month, at least once a month, right? That's the, that's the minimum. On the other side, if you're talking about people who never, ever, ever, ever eat at a fast food chain, you're talking about just like 4% of Americans. And, you know, we've got a lot of people 
in the in the crowd today who are let's say pescatarian or flexitarian or vegetarian or or vegan um these you know and they may be motivated by a number of interests like uh, there may be ethical concerns there may be dietary or health concerns but even if you have a more tightly curated diet it's quite possible for junk food to sneak into that diet and for the brands that produce stuff you would never eat to just buy another company, another brand, and then sell you something under that label. That's that's what's happening. There is a true hidden hand at play here, and it's deeper than many people realize when they're in the grocery store. But like if you like a, a sense of scale, so we said fast food is not always the same as junk food. There are healthy things you can eat at a at a your local fast food joint. But just to get a sense of the economics at play here, I think it's important for us to note the fast food industry in the U.S. alone rakes in about $160 billion in sales per year, every year. And that is just one slice of the junk food pizza pie because that doesn't count the stuff we would call convenience foods. Like if you if you go to a gas station, um, like a popular gas station in the southeast of America is something called Quick Trip, which for some reason doesn't have a C in the name. It's Q-I-K. It's too quick for that. There's no time. <laughs> right. They, they took the money they saved by cutting that C out of the signs and they passed those savings on to you. Now shut up and eat your taquitos, which are delicious. <laughs> they are. And many of those now have their own mini fast food chain restaurants within them, which is a fascinating development, mm-hmm. along with all the corn nuts and Chex Mix you could ever want. Even some of the like, you know, lower tier type gas stations will have like a little fried chicken counter or, you know, something like that. But you're right. Like Quick Trip is all about like pizzas. They have like a pizza uh, counter and they you can get you can order a whole pizza from Quick Trip. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And also, I want to uh, give credit where it's due. Uh, probably the be- some of the best fried chicken I have ever personally experienced in this country has been in like hole in the wall gas stations. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's just some guy. I don't even know if he works there or if he just like has chicken, you know, and it's, it's almost always pretty great. One of the best breakfast biscuits I've ever had in my life and believe I ever will have is at this little gas station in Athens, Georgia called the bread basket. Um, mm-hmm. so check it out if you're ever in Athens. It's awesome. It's got, you can get them with like smoked red sausage links and like just the most fluffy, cheesy scrambled eggs and like totally homemade biscuits and they sell out when they sell out. Um, so that is a pro food tip for anybody passing right. through Athens. Like the chicken guy or like some of the, um, some of the best, uh, Mexican yes. snack food is we're very fortunate here in Atlanta uh, for places like Buford Highway and Doraville because some of the best food in the city is like hidden away in these little strip malls and you you wouldn't notice it, right? (laughs) Until you go in and you have some of the most amazing food of your life. Is it good for you though, right? Is That's the question. Well, we have to define good. All right, so as far as your body is concerned, As far as the millions of years of evolution that have molded you up to this point, 
As, as far as that's all concerned, this is great. This is aces. Those salty, sweet, fatty flavors are everything the human body has evolved to covet. Your digestive system is like, we are hashtag winning. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't have to hunt and forage for uh, another 12 hours or what? I don't know. Just just in case your, uh, your primal brain is saying to you, but j- just in case, supersize those fries. No, we don't know when we'll be here again. And even though you are not going to be hunted by some uh, non-human predator at this point, your brain doesn't know that. Your brain is thinking, the wolves are coming. I need to have another cheeseburger just in case there's no food in the future. Like this is junk food is a hack of this system. And it is turning sort of the dietary goals of your body against you. And that's where we get into some troubling aspects because in terms of long-term health, as you pointed out, Matt, junk food can be pretty terrible. It is inarguably tied to a, a range of chronic health conditions, like you mentioned, diabetes, right? But then there's also uh Serious heart problems, obesity, which is a huge thing and could maybe even be its its own episode now. And and it's important to note, obviously, when we say when we say obesity, we're not shaming people for appearance or anything like that. We're building a case that the system of junk food is in a very real way uh, stacked against you. The game is rigged. Why does why does it cost more to eat a salad than it does to eat a double cheeseburger, right? If you especially if you consider the time that has to be factored into raising a cow and assembling all those ingredients. It, anyway, it's nuts. We don't want to sound too cynical, but we've laid out a pretty compelling case here. There are good reasons why a growing number of critics say junk food isn't just delicious, it's also dangerous. And here's the last twist. The creators of this stuff may not really be after you so much as they're after your children. And they already got you a long time ago. Here's where it gets crazy. So, yes, there's an actual conspiracy. The conspiracies are real, uh, but it is a strange one because it is entirely legal. For decades and decades, food manufacturers, the Nestle's, the Unilever's, etc., and fast food companies knew that the best way to sell stuff was to make it cool to children. You're a kid. Let's say you're a kid and um, you're going to school and some friend at school is eating lunch and they have like a fruit roll up. They're like, look at me, man. I'm styling and profiling. I've got that blue flavor. Fruit roll-up or fruit by the foot or whatever. Uh, And you're impressionable. You want to be seen as equal with your peers in this social dynamic. And so the first thing you say when you get back home is something like, Mom, Dad, you don't understand. I need fruit snacks. Billy has fruit snacks. Do you not love me? Right. And, and this, <laughs> this, like, this is real. I, no offense. You know, I, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but no, Matt, this is something that I, I, I feel is pretty common in the world of parenting. Oh man, my kid eats like shit. 
I mean, I can't. I, I really, there's nothing I can do. She's just so particular and just likes, you know, chicken nuggets. And I really hope she grows out. I try, you guys. I try to sneak vegetables into spaghetti. It's awful. <laughs> My hands are so tied, and I don't know who to blame. Uh, I really hope it's just a fate. I was a picky eater, too, when I was a kid, you know, but you're right. I mean, she literally, she, she, she wants slushies all the time. She has this cute little thing she does where she goes, I need slushy. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's what's happened to you? What's happened to you? Well, I mean, I have nobody to blame but myself for some of our poor eating habits. And it a lot of it has to do around when and where we eat. Like, what is the situation mm. like when we sit down to eat? Um, and for me, before I had a child, it was about a television. There's a television, there's a program on, and I'm consuming food while I'm consuming some content. And that translates to, for some reason, I think it's it's connected, certainly, uh, but it translates for some reason to just poor eating habits um, mm-hmm. for me and my family. Yeah, because you need it to be like modular and portable and not like require like a sit down. Like, is that sort of part of it? Do you think the function of like the set and setting? Maybe. I don't know. I think most of it has to do with convenience of like, oh, it's time yeah. to eat. We need to get some food together. Uh, oh, what's in here? Oh, we don't have that much. I should go shopping. Oh, uh, well, instead of doing that, let's just get some food right now. That's it. Yeah, you you nailed it because there is there is another cost. So we're, we're talking about when we talk about cost, uh, we should be very clear that we're not just talking about a financial expenditure at that time. Uh, We're talking about the other more important currency of human life, which is your personal time, the number of hours in the day. Nobody gets any extra hours of the day. Uh, And we've all at some point tried to have more than 24. So you are saving, you are saving in the currency of time, at least for a short while until, you know, something happens and you end up having to spend that time at the doctor's office, like what gets me is, so I cook a lot. Um, and I know all three of us enjoy cooking. Uh, but the trickiest thing for me is trying to predict myself. I barely know myself. I mean, I think most people barely know themselves, but, but it's like, I have this guy in my head and I have to, I have to get in front of him. You know, I got to figure out when he's going to be hungry, like 30 minutes before he hips me to it. And that's like, why would you, why would you go through all that rigmarole when all you need is a $20 bill to be king for a day at Taco Bell? Like it makes sense that people would do this. That, that is how the system is hacked. And this strategy of this strategy of singling out and targeting children and leveraging their profound ability to influence their parents, to like mm-hmm. curry favor. This strategy predates social media. And you see, you know, you, you see the same thing uh, in the world of toys, right? And then later as kids get older, you see it in the world of fashion and clothing. This strategy, believe it or not, in the world of food, it used to be even more blatant than it is today. I would like to no, we're on a we're on a um, a remote call right now. I would like to, if it's okay, share with you guys an early McDonald's commercial that we can that we can watch together. Uh, it's pretty short; it's a little more than a minute. But um, 
heads up to everyone in the crowd, if you have chlorophobia, fear of clowns, you may not want to watch this video. You may just want to hear it. But I, I think it's an excellent example of the marketing at play here. By the way, uh, you can find this on YouTube as rare, first ever Ronald McDonald McDonald's commercial. Introducing the world's newest, silliest, and hamburger eatingest clown, Ronald McDonald. Now, where is that clown? Oh, Ronald. 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 Hey, Ronald. Here I am, kid. Hey, isn't watching TV fun? Especially when you got delicious McDonald's hamburgers. Ronald, you can't be on TV and watch it at the same time. Now, come on and meet the boys and girls. Oh, we've already met. I know we're going to be friends, too, because I like to do everything boys and girls like to do. Especially when it comes to eating those delicious McDonald's hamburgers. A magic tray here keeps me well supplied. McDonald's hamburgers, french fries, and milkshakes. Watch for me on TV. We'll have lots of fun. He's Ronald McDonald, the hamburger happy clown. A McDonald's driving restaurant. Pure nightmare fuel. I also love the, the phrase hamburger eatingist. That's really good. Yeah. It, it's also, it's directly addressing children, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's, that, that is not aimed at an adult human. Who thinks, oh, I would love to go see that clown. That makes me hungry. <laughs> if only my food were a little sillier. You know, that would yes. be cool. Wow. I, as a person in my 30s, I need to kick it with this clown. We're into <laughs> the same stuff. We both like fries. Love this putting cups be, on our noses. Just, this know. might be a meet cute moment for us. You know what I mean? Just a guy in love with his clown. Out of context, that's going to sound weird. But this is what we're talking about with the advertising. Like, as you, as you pointed out, Matt, this is clearly, it's it's targeting kids. It's not illegal to do so yet in, in many parts of the world. But this type of advertising experienced a renaissance in the age of social media. We're talking exponential growth, both in terms of reach and in terms of depth and sophistication of demographic targeting. Like, uh, kids nowadays... I know it always feels like we're old when we say kids we these sentences. days, kids these days, you know, uh, back in my day, blah, blah, blah. We're Stop alive. It. <laughs> well, you were youthful, though. Come on. Podcasting keeps us youthful. You know, I was thinking about this and it's just a personal moment for us. Um, we all look pretty good. You know what I mean? Considering we've been through like two plus years of a pandemic. We kind of kept it together, so more or less, yeah. Not yeah, me. Cool us. Uh, just <laughs> considering this episode, I just got over the COVID thing, and seriously, I've gained three pounds because I didn't move, I didn't go anywhere, and Grubhub exists. That's why. Mm. <laughs> oh, no joke, dude. I think, yeah, yeah. Well, at least for you, it was the COVID-3. For most, it was the COVID-15, so I don't want to hear <laughs> any guff. <laughs> okay. Okay. So... So, I, I mean, I think that's a good point because people are not monolithic, right? Everybody has their own set of circumstances and goals and constraints. And at the end of the day, everybody just not only wants to eat to fuel their machine that they live in, but they want to enjoy what they're doing. And the ability to choose what you eat is, is a 
big, big privilege. You know, it's something that not everybody on the planet alive today and that most people through throughout history, it's, it's just not something they could do. You know what I mean? They had to, for a long, long time, uh, the majority of the human population existed on grains that they could grow with free resources like time, soil, and water, uh, or whatever they could hunt or forage. So the ability to say, let me pop over to a delivery service and mm, get a lobster roll, get a lobster quesadilla, that didn't happen before. It's not normal, and human beings have not evolved to deal with the long-term consequences of that profound privilege. Like if you, like kids growing up now, we've talked about this before. We are all very lucky that we did not start YouTube channels as children because the U.S. does not have uh, the European right to be forgotten legislation. There is a permanent record here and it, and it can be what people call cringeworthy. So imagine growing up in a world where one of the one of the big milestones for you is being old enough to start an Instagram account or something like that. And so that's a real thing happening, right? There there are people in the audience today who right now are having that conversation about like how old is old enough for my kid to have a cell phone of some sort, right? The just we're living in a material world. <laughs> I did not expect a Madonna reference, but that's where we are. Uh, so, like, if you're nine years old right now, you are living in a world where the advertisements don't turn off. Because unlike television, unlike radio, it's not really an off switch for social media. You know, whenever you log in, that activity pings somewhere, right, in, in multiple processes and algorithms, and some... Some decision tree occurs where it's like, this person is out here now. We've got them. We've got their eyes. Let's get their hearts and minds. And it's, it's tremendously effective. I, um, I was reading some studies. Like, Matt, you mentioned off air that this is a, I mean, this is a big problem in the Western world in general. But uh, I think you were surprised by the state of affairs in Canada. Uh, and I was likewise surprised by the state of affairs in Australia. There was a study I found conducted by Heather J. Baldwin and several of her colleagues who breaks down how social media engagement correlates to dietary choices in young populations. These studies build a pretty clear case that sophisticated ad targeting programs are pushing kids to consume more unhealthy stuff more often and have been doing so for a long time. Like this ties into the concept of inequality. This ties into, uh, of course, quarterly profits, so many other things. But, but why does it all matter, right? One of the big questions, one of the big badgers in the bag here is <laughs> something I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people just asked themselves in the course of this episode. Isn't it up to the parents, Right. Isn't it up to the guardians, the authority figures of these children to say, hey, pizza is a treat. Pizza's for closers. All right. So you got to you better do well on that math test or you better read those books and you'll get a personal pan pie. That's a little bit misleading. There are a lot of factors that 
tie into overconsumption of what we call junk food, and those factors add up down the road. It's clearly linked to distressing levels of obesity. Obesity is spiking in developing countries, and this rise in obesity across the globe is inarguably tied to the massive success of fast food and junk food marketing. Oh, yes, Ben, it goes deeper than all of this stuff, especially physical fitness. There's another study in 2008. The Scripps Research Institute found data suggesting that consuming junk food can actually change your brain activity, how your brain thinks and feels about food. You want that sweet, salty, savory hit so bad your brain might just start treating it like an addictive drug, like my caffeine. You know, I did sober January, um, but I basically replaced alcohol with tons and tons of coffee. So I am now officially a coffee addict. But have you ever seen those stats that say cheese affects your brain the same way like crack cocaine does? Mm-hmm. What's a, uh, there, there's a great running joke. I can't remember. The, it's a claymation series, but it's this guy who loves Wensleydale cheese. Anyway, yeah, cheese is amazing. Check out our big cheese episode. There is a real conspiracy. We figured it out. And none of us stopped eating cheese because that stuff is astonishing. Go humans. Well done. Whoever, whoever who that lazy that bastard was <laughs> yeah. who just didn't put the milk away for a while. You're a genius. You're a genius. And thank you for your service. So <laughs> thank you for being so brilliantly lazy. So uh, this is a long term problem and it hinges on a vulnerable population that ticks a, a lot of boxes for vulnerability. We're talking about populations that are often less wealthy. We're talking about children, right? Younger demographics. And then we're also talking about people who have often been historically disadvantaged. That's where you see a lot of rises of fast food consumption. And then years on, that's where you see the rise of chronic health conditions created by that consumption. Anyone who has ever had a food craving knows that addictive uh, tendency that you're talking about, Bat. And look, people can look down their noses at, at some single parent feeding their kids fast food. But doing that denotes a lack of critical thinking because if you really explore what is leading people to that decision, you're going to see that there's some harsh economic realities. Eating healthy food is a privilege. That is why the stuff that is good for you can sometimes be more expensive. Now, you know, the, the world is full of tips about how to navigate this. Like you can, you can live a low cost vegan lifestyle and not pay out the nose, right? What, what's the old adage? You shop around the outside ring of the grocery store, That's right? That's right. where the, yeah, the yeah, produce and dairy. Once they guide you into the labyrinth that is the interior, like there's no getting away from making bad choices. That's sort of like psychological, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, once you're on aisle seven or whatever, uh, you happen by the Oreos and you might not even particularly like Oreos, but you see that they're somehow Christmas flavored and you're like, whoa, what does Christmas taste like? Next thing you know, you got some Oreos. Really like memories. Mm hmm. Yes. So right now, what we're saying is the logic is clear. If you can feed your family effectively and cheaply, it becomes increasingly difficult not to do so. Why would you spend eight dollars on a single salad that only one person can eat? And if that one person is your kid, 
They're going to be mad about it. Why would you spend that $8 on that when that same $8 could feed you and the kid twice over at insert fast food joint here? But not Zaxby's for some reason. Zaxby's is kind of expensive. So is Jersey Mike's. Uh, So anyway, I just want to say. So is Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, Not only would your child perhaps be upset about the salad being presented to them as their food intake, they may not eat it at all. And if your child is not eating, I mean, that is psychologically one of the worst things that you could deal with as a parent. So fast food? Uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, because you're you're kind of negotiating, right? Uh, with with the kid, and when you're negotiating with a kid, you are not just negotiating with an 11 year old or something. You're negotiating with millions of years of evolution that have like hardwired people to want these sensations and these tastes. The and game child protective is kind of services. Rigged. Okay, sorry. <laughs> CPS. Yeah, defects, of course. Right. They're big. <laughs> but the um there's something sorry, real quick. That's a real question. Could you potentially be treated as abusive if you are feeding your child consistently poorly? Like like oh, no, I contributing just if, to health. I just meant no, if no, I'm asking kids not eating at maybe. all. I mean yeah, yeah, but I'm saying the op- the opposite though. Like, I mean, if you're just constantly feeding chicken nuggets to your kid, and then they develop childhood obesity or diabetes, is there some recourse to say like you were negligent in like uh, your child's uh, welfare? Yeah. So right now, that is not something that people could be prosecuted for. You're just going to get side eye from other people who feel like they're for some wild reason qualified to judge other parents. Which is, you know, try not to do it, yep. right? Uh, because you don't like, like that old uh, Greco-Roman quote, everybody is fighting a great battle. Just try to be kind. Uh, I, I do want to point out one other way the system is rigged before we go to our next uh, our next commercial break. It's, I think I mentioned this um, years ago. I went to a Chick-fil-A and I wanted to buy a sandwich and some of those, like a small order of waffle fries and a soda. And when I ordered it, the person at the drive-thru said, okay, well, just get, you know, a number one. And I said, well, I don't, I don't want the coleslaw, though. I just want the, the sandwich, the fries, and the drink. And he said, well, it's more expensive if you just get those things separately. You have to get a number one. And I'm like, wait, are you saying that I have to pay you extra to not give me coleslaw? Like the, these weird things happen when you're at an economy of scale. That's why a dollar value menu exists, right? Because these entities are of such an enormous size that they can lower their cost, lower their ultimate cost to the consumer, at least in financial terms. So if this conspiracy to sell kids unhealthy food, to lock them into those habits, if it does have a villain, That villain would be corporations, the manufacturers, the actors in the restaurant industry, collectively known as big food. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about why it's funny in a second. I think we should take an ad break. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we have returned. Uh, we're working live, folks. We took a brief pause because Noel wasn't just blowing smoke. Your pizza puff has arrived, yeah. right? Is that what you just went to get? <laughs> I present yes. to you the pizza puff. It even says it on the wrapper. If, if you're not watching this on YouTube, it's from... Uh, Iltaco.com. Not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. No, it looks kind of like a knish a little bit. It's like, like I said, it's sort of a glorified. Yeah, we're tasting it. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So, uh, so next time we'll let's all bring snacks to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so we're gonna look at at the problem here. Who takes responsibility? That's one of the questions. Now a lot of people are gonna rightly say the parents have a big role to play, but again, we have to be conscious of the economic factors that people are dealing with. Nobody is waking up and saying, "Man, I sure hope my kids eat terrible food forever." They're waking up and saying, like, how can I make my kid's life better? How can I set them up for success when I am gone? Uh, And that's, it's crazy to think in those terms, but that's not hyperbolic at all. Big food is is another collective entity that should take some responsibility, according to critics and according to a growing number of politicians. Big food is an umbrella term. I really hope it's somebody's street name somewhere. So if you are listening and you go by Big Food, then uh, <laughs> send us your mixtape. Send us the SoundCloud link, Big Food. But what we're talking about when we say Big Food in this, in this sense is we're talking about the Nestle's, the Unilever's, the Pepsi's, the Coke's, C-O-K-E, uh, and the countless drive throughs that riddle America that are an uh, like a baked in part of culture. Now, this is a huge market and it is dominated by a very, very, sm- a very small number of very powerful companies. They control most popular food brands. They are, as you said earlier, they are a hidden hand behind products in almost every aisle of your local grocery store. It's like how Yum Brands owns a lot of things that seem like they're their own independent companies. This is normalized in business. Like Unilever is not calling the brand of everything it sells Unilever, right? Nestle's not doing that. General Mills, before Nestle bought them, isn't doing that. And they buy up these legacy brands that have like nostalgic properties, you know, for consumers. Like I was just looking up Nestle owns General Mills, who make all of the sugary, you know, toy bearing cereals of our youth. And and they don't rebrand it. I mean, you know, the the uh, the presumption is it's oh, they're doing it just like they used to do back in the day. It's the same Count Chocula as it's ever been. But you know, there is that hidden hand. And we know that Nestle is probably one of the most problematic corporations, period, in terms of the way they, you know, extract some of their resources in, in pretty awful and egregious ways. So the fact that they own, you know, my humble sugar smacks, you know, is is a little weird. But mm. Think about mm. why they don't change the brands. Why don't they do that? That's exactly right. I know. It's, I think it's clear because of the nostalgia, because of the trust. Because we grew up not only eating these foods. Uh, we grew up watching television commercials for these products and brands, right? If you think about the cereals, you think about any really any breakfast food, including Eggos and things like that, including, you know, the fast food restaurants. We grew up with that stuff being pumped into our minds while we were watching Thundercats, which was just a way to sell us toys. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got us. They got us. The fix is it. <laughs> well, well, they, 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 did that to, they did that to get around FCC laws about like safe harbor times and about like marketing to children. I know we're going to get to that, but like with the toys in particular, they couldn't, they made the, they made the show, the commercial, the show yes. is the toy commercial, you know, mm-hmm. it is uh, that reason for it existing is the fact that there are toys, not the other way around. 
I love it. I love it. I I went down a rabbit hole. I went down a rabbit hole uh, reading a very opinionated review of G.I. Joe versus Cobra toys and vehicles. And looking back on that stuff, it's pretty creative. It is highly impractical. You know what I mean? Like to weaponize a pogo stick or whatever. But uh, but but I, I was I was impressed with those folks. And and you're right. The nostalgia is a big role. Like consider how uh, much it resonates with people when a food item from their childhood is brought back into production. Like that uh, that ice cream tiramisu kind of uh, Vianetta or whatever yes. it was. Like and you couldn't get them everywhere, them. so there was an exclusivity around it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or uh, another example would be high C ecto coolers. Oh, for sure. And what it really is is when we adults now are at our local Kroger or Publix or whatever, and we walk through those middle aisles, we see those brands, those logos that then resonate, right? And then we want to get them because of either the nostalgia or we know it tastes pretty good. Right. And we're just like, oh, (laughs) man, I I definitely got to pick up that box of, you know, whatever cereal. In my case, it was, Mm -hmm. oh, God, I I hate even admitting this. (sighs) It's Lucky Charms. I was never allowed to eat Lucky Charms as a kid, but I knew about them. (laughs) I knew what they were. I knew marshmallows were involved. And then as an (laughs) adult, I started buying them. Of course you did. I'm sure that's a thing, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're you're getting for your birthday then. Not surprised. <laughs> no, let's let's get let's get Matt like a Costco level box no, of Lucky Charms. God, don't, apparently don't. apparently it wasn't always a leprechaun that was shilling for Lucky Charms. Originally it was some kind of wizard. Oh, huh. cool. Yeah, I would eat wizard cereal. I like I like a little occult in my breakfast, you know what I mean? Uh so this is like this is where we're at and you cannot overemphasize the role of nostalgia and psychological hacking occurring here. I you know the last thing I want to bring up here guys is just we we grew up watching these things on television because of network TV cable television, right? That's how we were advertised to. Now kids aren't necessarily at least my kid isn't spending time in front of a television watching just uh, TV as it's coming on live, right? Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. consuming content on demand, generally with something like Netflix or Disney or Hulu, or they're on YouTube watching Minecraft videos. And only a couple of those have programmatic advertising or, or dynamically served advertising that just, you know, comes in whenever you start a video or in between the video, the way we serve ads very similarly on this, on this show. Um, it's a really awful ad experience in a lot of those streaming shows. They just pop in at weird moments, and it's usually there's a lot of repetition too. Like it's it feels like the early days of advertising in that medium. It's very interesting. Yes, the this is what one thing I wanted to bring up. The reason my son knows what Zaxby's is uh, is because of advertising. We have gone to a Zaxby's numerous times throughout his life. But he never registered, oh, it's Zaxby's. We never even talk about it as Zaxby's. We're going to go get some lunch or something. And he eats his chicken fingers. But they're like chicken fingers from anywhere else we might get them. He understood what Zaxby's was when a commercial came on a Hulu show. And Mm -hmm. it said Mm -hmm. Zaxby's. And it was advertising for what it was. And he got excited about it. And then he asked me to go to Zaxby's. And And he didn't ask it immediately after the commercial. He asked it later on in the day. 
And yeah. it's just one of those things that so you, if you watch it, it happen, uh, it's terrifying. Uh, and it percolated. I, I, I respect the young man because he thought about it. He found his moment. He was like, this is when dad will say yes. Uh, these, these companies also uh, control a lot of the stuff that's advertised as healthy, right? Like, um, you know, I, I think some people were surprised to find that McDonald's owns Chipotle. They they want they want to be able to make money off whatever demographic imaginable. And if you are not the kind of person who goes for a fish fillet at McDonald's, it doesn't really matter so long as you're also the kind of person who gets a little burrito bowl. You're still spending money. You're still giving it to those folks. And Chipotle has this like image of being a healthy alternative, but it's a zillion calories and lots of fat. <laughs> In that, like, you know, barbacoa. I mean, it's delicious. Don't get me wrong, but it's not necessarily, it's sort of tricking you. It's like health washing. You know what I mean? It's like kind of tricking you into thinking that you're eating smarter and make you feel superior. But in fact, you're not only putting more money in McDonald's pocket, you're also kind of eating trash food still. Salt, fat, and sugar. Uh, so, yeah, they, these companies want your money. That's what they're created to do. They are created to exchange some kind of product with you for cash. And they are not responsible for what happens to you afterward. Uh, you can make a solid argument that they shouldn't be held responsible. Uh, but it's an argument that is currently, currently taking place across the planet. In their defense, again, this is not necessarily a hit piece. These companies aren't doing anything illegal. They're kind of giving people what people are evolved to want. And it's important to emphasize that if, say, Nestle gets a kid hooked on a candy bar, like Nestle Crunch Bars, you know, with the little crisp rice thing in them, Nestle has no legal obligation to pay that kid's doctor bills later in life like decades afterwards uh, when they've eaten so many crunch bars that they have to go into for heart surgery. They, they didn't do anything wrong as far as the legal system is concerned. You're absolutely right, but, Ben. And, and the other thing to remember right there is that the, the drug isn't the Nestle crunch bar. It's the fat and sugar, right? So my point is that it's not the crunch bar. So like you can't blame Nestle because of the crunch bar because – that didn't necessarily give them the health problem. It's all the necessary. combined other, you know, drugs, right? The HFS, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. It. Ugh, sorry, just I don't like thinking well, about it. It's it's a great point. It's a great point. It's the stuff inside the product, right? And this may not. Th this idea of legality may not be the same. In the future, because other governments across the planet are increasingly concerned about what can, in, in some cases, rightly be described as a public health crisis. This brings us to the realm of something called food governance. Food governance is that that's why outfits like the FDA here in the U.S. require companies to list nutritional facts, calories, ingredients on products. Uh, that kind of transparency is is key. And it's a good thing in theory. But let's be honest. How many people read those labels every time? In fact, how many like pick up something in your pantry uh, that's, that's processed food? Can you pronounce all the chemicals in there? Because I certainly cannot. You know, um, and I, I do read those labels, but I'm going to be honest, I read them and ignore them. 
because I'm hungry. You got to eat. <laughs> these, th- these policies that people are putting in play so far are not making a huge dent. There's just too much money on the table to walk away. You're not going to be the head of Pepsi and say, we think people are drinking too much soda and people need to stop drinking it because that's, that's the equivalent of you saying, I hate billions of dollars and I don't want them. It's just not going to happen. It's the same thing we talked about recently in terms of like, you know, companies self-regulating for environmental impact. You know, it's not going to happen. They might, they might do like some sort of PR move like, like Lego. Like I think I would use that as an example of them changing their packaging to paper instead of plastic, but obviously they're not going to stop making plastic Legos. Same deal with uh, soda companies. Like they'll put R and D into like a nice new diet version, you know, and push that and maybe push the full sugar version less, but you know what? They don't have to push it that hard because it's already so ingrained. Everyone knows what Coca-Cola classic is. They don't really, I mean, it's like they don't need to remind people. People are already hooked. Yeah, yeah. And this industry is not just damaging to kids and consumers. As we've established earlier, you always need to do a little bit of digging or due diligence when you hear someone, even us, making a think of the children argument. So to be clear, this is not just damaging to kids. It's bad for the environment. Like you mentioned, Matt, it's bad for uh, food waste. It absolutely sucks for livestock. Uh, it results in unethical resource extraction. It prevents other newer producers from getting healthy food out there in the same way because they cannot match the scale and depth of the marketing uh, mechanisms involved. And at this point, again, like personal accountability definitely comes into play. It's a valid argument. It's often unfairly framed, however. And as it stands now, this conspiracy to sell you junk food and to sell your kids junk food is only going to continue. And a lot of people, you know, people who even like eat the most healthy stuff ever, uh, a lot of people are going to say, we can't have regulations over this. That's too much of a, of a nanny state. Like, remember, oh, gosh. He's like, John Stewart lost his mind on The Daily Show uh, one year when the uh, then mayor of New York banned like large Slurpees or like he banned big gulps or something. And everyone's like, well, what personal choice? You know, we're grown. We can do this. Um, The proposals to try to nudge people financially by making things more expensive might work. um, But we're opposition. We're oppositional to authority figures, right? In general, that means that if someone passes a law and says there has to be, you know, insert regulation here um, on on any aspect of the junk food industry, people are probably going to buck. You know what I mean? If someone makes a, someone makes a law against high fructose corn syrup or whatever, then there is going to be a segment of the population that all of a sudden loves, loves, loves the original Coca-Cola with that high fructose corn syrup. And they say the the cane sugar just doesn't taste the same. Um, shout out to the, we call them the Mexican Cokes. I always wonder though, like why, why not make it all with cane sugar? Is it a, is it a supply chain thing? Is it Cheap. cheaper? Like why only, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah, the corn, corn subsidies, the industry is super rigged. That's why high fructose corn is in 
everything. <laughs> but maybe that's an episode for another I, day. I think we, we did that one, yeah. didn't we? We maybe did. We yeah, I think we did. Uh, well, we definitely we, talked about we, corn subsidies and ethanol and things like that, for sure. Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, so check that out. Let us know if we did that episode. <laughs> uh, we, we've definitely, we have definitely uh, talked about it in depth, and that is another real, actual conspiracy. But at this point, folks, we are at the end of the drive through of the show. We pass the combo meal to you. What do you think about the role of junk food or fast food in society today? Are the problems or concerns exaggerated? Um, if they're not exaggerated, then who should be responsible? Would laws, would more legislation help or regulation? Um, or is it a matter of personal accountability? And if so, how do you counteract these very effective hacks on human physiology and psychology? We can't wait to hear from you. Uh, also tell us your, tell us your favorite regional fast food. Always mm. want to learn about that. Especially if you live in another country, what's like your equivalent of fast food in your neck of the woods. We try to be easy to find online. Oh yes. You can find us all over the internet. We have it going nuts. Um, remember when that was a thing? Um, you can find us under the handle at conspiracy stuff, um, on Twitter, on Facebook, where we also have a group called here's where it gets crazy. You can join, uh, and also YouTube conspiracy stuff. You can find us on Instagram at conspiracy stuff show, but, uh, there's more. You can also find us on your telephone. Yes. Call us right now. Pull over. Call us. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname. We can't wait to hear what it is. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Please let us know if we can use your name and message in an episode. We, we do appreciate that. If you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We read every single one we receive. You can send them to conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.